Welcome to More Than Medicine, where Jesus is more than enough for the ills that plague our culture and our country. Hosted by author and physician, Dr. Robert Jackson, and his wife, Carlotta, and daughter, Hannah Miller. So listen up, because the doctor is in. Welcome to More Than Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Jackson, bringing to you biblical insights and stories from the country doctor's rusty, dusty scrapbook. Well, I'm privileged to have on the line today Representative Rob Harris from House District 36. Welcome, Rob. How you doing? Thanks for having me. Well, I'm delighted to have you. And uh, I would like to ask you some specific questions today about election integrity. I know that's been a hot-button issue for you. And one of the things that's been on my mind and, and wanting to have some clarification about is this whole issue of ERIC, E-R-I-C, in South Carolina. What exactly does that mean, and why did you try to push through uh, some legislation last session to eliminate funding for that in South Carolina? Can you help me and my listeners understand that a little better? Sure. Um, maybe I can just walk you quickly through what ERIC is. It stands for Electronic Registration and uh, Information Center. Uh, electronic in electronic registration information center. Uh, it was started by a guy named David Becker uh, back in 2012. Um, he got his help starting that from uh, an organization that many people may have heard of, the Pew Charitable Trust, uh, kind of infamous, if you will, uh, because they get their funding and they got their start from none other than George Soros. So uh, they've been in existence for a little while. There was uh, a total at one point of 29 member states uh, that joined ERIC. Uh, ostensibly, ERIC is designed to help uh, kind of be a clearinghouse for uh, all voters. In, and when people move from different states and things like that, uh, ostensibly they are supposed to help the member states keep their voter rolls clean and up to date. But Actually, they, they fail miserably, and they basically do the opposite. So uh, what what has happened over the years, like their method for doing this is to have access to all the Department of Motor Vehicle records. Everybody, I mean, think about all the people you know and your family. Everybody's at the DMV for one thing or another, and they always have an opportunity to register to vote, right? So, and this happens in other states, which have, you know, drastically different laws than us. Um, and some give uh, illegal immigrants uh, voter, I mean, uh, driver's licenses and things like that. So the, the data going in there is, is immense and it's constant. So they really have probably the largest database. Eric is, is privy to the member states uh, database, has probably the largest um, database of like eligible voters, right? Because right, they're right. from 16 on up, they're they're going to be in the system. So, but, but, but um, isn't that isn't that information that's given to the DMV protected information? Is that is it legit for this organization to have DMV information? Well, that's the thing. It's not really because uh, there's two uh, there's two laws, federal laws. One is a the National Right to Vote Act that speaks to sharing people's personal information, which, of course, the DMV has access to when you register. And the other thing is the Driver's Privacy Protection Act, which back in the 90s that was passed and revised. So, yes, it is not okay to have people's 
uh, some of the more sensitive demographic information. And yet they and have actually, And that's a federal law. Right. Well, they're both federal laws, right? Yeah. So, um, so basically, uh, you know, they are the way it works. The, here, like from Eric's perspective, this is golden because what they get is they get all these potential voters. They know who's registered, and they can get other people registered, but they know who's not registered. So they have a, a big list of people. And so what the here's the kicker: the member states every sixty days, each member state is required to send. Uh, the updated information to them so they know who is registered and who's not so they basically then they send back they kind of go through the data and they send back the states um, um, uh, database of people that need to be registered basically so that so that people can do registration drives and you know there's a lot of nefarious organizations that probably like and, and do get their hands on that data and they go out and try to register people there's a i mean I, you have to be honest a lot of people aren't registered to vote because they just no, don't they care don't to participate they don't right? want to participate you're right i understand that they're not and they're not going to participate i mean you you can try to force someone to register now ah, okay fine i'll register but they're they're very unlikely to vote and we all know especially people in in uh, have ever run campaigns we all know that there are some people we know who the, the the voters that vote all the time right yeah and and the ones who don't so they you know this is this is up for debate but in my opinion i think that those vast majority those vast uh that vast bank of unregistered voters or or voters that don't vote registered voters who don't vote they can they i believe they pull from some of those um there's even issues about being active versus inactive. If there's a few years go by and you don't vote, then you can become inactive, but you don't get cleaned off the roll. And in South Carolina, you can be on the roll. You could have died, and you'll you could still be on the voter, the uh, registered to vote on the in the rolls for up to eight years. Oh, so that's just that's just corruption waiting to happen. Yep. And so if all this works so great, uh, you think everybody be on board. So far, out of the 29 members. Uh, and most of these have been in the last year, it's down to 20 members now. Even some of the founding states have left in the midst of the budget debate, a budget battle we had down there in South Carolina and Columbia um, this March. Um, another state during, and right in the middle of that, another state left. Um, recently, Louisiana, Florida, West Virginia, Missouri, Alabama, just to name a few. But um, they're really doing a bad job. And so I tried to as you mentioned earlier at, during the budget i put a proviso it's called a, an amendment it's called a proviso when you're working on the budget and i i put a proviso to just say hey let's just not keep funding eric they're doing a bad job there's very uh, reason to question their um ability to get this work done that they claim they're going to do not many well spent let's just and it's only like forty-one thousand dollars, but uh, you know, and I took questions for about 20 minutes on the floor, this and that, and and most people they're like, yeah, no, they just tabled my amendment. They're not interested in, in abandoning. But you know, states again, left and right, are starting to uh, abandon Eric because they know they're not doing a good job. The second problem with that, all that data that Eric gets, um, this David Becker, he started another organization that's called same same letters, just different rearranged. Uh, I guess is pronounced Care. Center for Election Innovation and Research. It's, I guess, just the think tank or an NGO. 
he started that as well. They're the ones who took money, took all that Zuckerbucks money in South Carolina. They took over a million dollars to do quote unquote research that never really materialized. So they got they got the data from our DMV basically through Eric, which I would argue is illegal, and they don't. Eric didn't have any authority to share it with CARE, right? So another organization that David Becker started, just to round out his uh, arsenal of how to uh, uh, to attack election integrity, is the last one is an organization, Election Officials Legal Defense Network. So that he started to protect anybody, any elected official, like a, a you know, a um, elections director, or, you know, county board, whatever, that that um, people try to give a hard time questioning the integrity of elections and trying to you know give them any kind of trouble, they have a legal defense network to protect them. So to to keep all this system you know protected basically. Right. So, right. Um, and so now during the budget talks, during the budget debate that we had, uh, that was that same time that David Becker actually resigned from the the heat was coming. All these states were leaving, and the heat was on him, and he resigned from Eric being the head, the board director's chairman or something like that. But he still is involved in the other two uh, organizations that I mentioned. So they continue to do what they're doing. And um, again, I I just I tried to get South Carolina a way out of it, but you know, the Republican establishment. That's who basically did not have my back, the Republican establishment. They were not interested, so they voted it down. Ah, man. Well, that's just a little bit heartbreaking to some of us yeah. on the, on the ground here. Because the, you know, the, the DMV and these, uh, you know, these, um, these uh, the DMV is not, it's not their job to have a voter registration drive, right? right. I mean, it'd be right. nice if people were more involved in in the government, right? It'd be nice if more people participated. Yeah, yeah. But it's not the DMV's job to focus and and try to share data about who's not registered to vote. It's it's the DMV. It's not having nothing to do with voters. So it's really, they, but they get that and they share that data, I guess, with other organizations who do voter drives and and they get this mass of people who are probably not ever going to vote. Makes me wonder if there's a lawsuit in the making when they're yeah. breaking a federal law. Right. So, um, yeah. So that's kind of the background with Eric. Um, even David Becker, uh, some years ago, about three or four years ago, he was, uh, he was at a conference, and this is a direct quote from David Becker. He said, Eric, this organization, is the single most effective voter registration drive in the history of the United States. Hmm. So... It's it's they're supposed to be be cleaning up the voter rolls and helping us do that, right? But yeah. that's that's why Eric's doing it. He he revealed the reason why. So, yeah. well, it's obvious to me that that Eric is is probably not legal and uh, is not being utilized properly in our state, and that forty one thousand dollars in our budget does not need to to be spent on Eric. And if other states are seeing the light. I wonder why legislators in our state are not seeing the light. So, so what's the benefit to the Republican establishment or others in our state to maintaining this organization, Eric, in our state? Yeah, well, 
it the, the voter rolls do need to be cleaned up, but it used to be done locally, and and the state would oversee that. And I don't see a problem with that. We we need to get more and more of our lives in the hands of our local uh, authorities, right? I Rather think that's, than outside that's, that's, entities. About all kind that 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 applies to other aspects of our life too. So, <clears throat> um, I it's just the it's just the the status quo. They I. And if you believe that elections, there's some hanky-panking going on, then then that benefits them. I would only argue that that's probably the reason they want to keep it in place. But mm-hmm. again, members, other member states are jumping ship left and right in this past year, mm-hmm. and South Carolina needs to do the same thing. Well, what can our what can my listeners do to uh, push the ball forward in regards to getting us out of Eric? Well, something very interesting happened um, in that has to do with get not just getting out of air necessarily, but but getting more vote election integrity. Um, the Republican National Committee very recently passed a resolution. Uh, I won't go into all the details, but uh, you know, uh, uh, addressing um, a lot of election integrity issues like chain of custody for any kind of equipment and things like that um uh, again getting clean voter rolls uh making voter rolls uh free for people to there's no identifying information on that uh, personal information on these voter rolls um the cast vote records things that other states do allow their people to have for free it's just south carolina just doesn't and uh so i have actually uh, this this last session i filed three different bills to enhance our election integrity in the state. And they are, uh, I'll just give you the numbers, 4259, 4260, and 4261. And what are those bills all about? Well, again, they're the sort of the topics I mentioned. They're they're a pilot program to do uh, paper ballots. Um, There's, uh, it it addresses, again, all this chain of custody, all the, you know, we have machine, all these, the machines and the tabulators and the poll books and, and where are they stored? Who's looking after this stuff? Anybody fiddling around with them? Like that we need chain of custody uh, over the bags of, uh, you know, documents and and anything like that. Um, So there's not, there's not like anything like that in place. Also, it would make these um, lists and uh, uh, to like see the Castle records and things like that. It make them free to people who want to, you know, double check. Hey, what what really happened here? And that that's what we should free and fair and and transparent elections, right? That's right. Um, it it does establish um, some oversight. You know, uh, some it really brings the control of a lot of these functions back to the county level, where it, I believe it should be, and not all at the state um i'm i'm going to be uh, if you if you tune into the state house this coming january on the 9th um i'm i'm in the middle of a, a little bit of a showdown with the establishment over uh early voting and they want to start they want to start pumping the information from the early voting period up the line to the state sec like not at the end of the voting that day on, on election day but they want to start uh, moving, they want to start transmitting it at 7 a.m. So I think that's very risky. You you risk um, you risk you know having someone leak information or accidentally getting out, and then people are calling elections early. That's, that's just right. a bad, that's right. bad, bad so bad trend all around. Right. But I what have is their justification of, for that, Rob? Why, why do they want well, that? They, 
the only the folks that high uh, the, the chairman of the the uh, Constitution Committee, uh, the Judiciary Committee, Constitutional Law, um, he did make some points that you know it takes so long for people. Some precincts can't wrap things up fast enough. That and that like at the end of the day, but these this information from the early voting is all on thumb drives. Uh, there's a um, what do they call it? There's a a uh, automatic. There's a program that automatically uh, a macro. It's, that's what it's called. Uh, when you load these um, different precincts, would have this. Uh, or actually, the early voting centers would have this early voting thing on a on the data on a thumb drive, so they could just. It, it can uh, be. That. It can be emailed almost immediately. Well, it, it's like takes about a minute. Yeah. Per thumb drive, so yeah. so that that information they want uh, so badly up front is not what's slowing it down. Now you may have some precincts where they, you know, getting all their stuff together and don't get it back to the county in time. Some rural precincts may be further away. I don't know if that's true or not, but um, anyhow, uh, but that's, so th I have some of my concepts really a, from- It's really bills. a red herring is what it is. Yeah, so the point to that is that I have applied some of the concepts from the bills that I just mentioned. I've applied some of those concepts where applicable and where they're germane to this uh, S406, which is uh, in still, you know, going to be debated on January 9th. So um, I just want to tell you that, you know, we're talking about air, we're talking about the election machines and the electronic part of it and that sort of thing. And it, I still argue it's a problem. I think we need same day voting, paper ballots, just be done with the machines. That's my personal opinion. Well, but I share that opinion. So do a lot of other fo folks in South right. Carolina. There's so many other aspects it's so complex. It's so much more complex than it used to be. And so there's so many more layers and opportunities for things to go wrong. And That's just, right. and there's human, human error too. There's just a yeah. lot of, there's a lot of complexity. So for instance, this last general election 22, um, I went and my family spread out across my district, district 36. There's I think 11 precincts there were, um, we spread out across different precincts and and just were poll watchers. We didn't get paid. Not poll workers get paid. Poll watchers just go and watch, do the same thing, just kind of keep an eye on things. Forty percent of the precincts in District Six in South Carolina had no seals on the ballot tabulators. That is a crime. <laughs> it's, it's not. It's wrong. I shouldn't say it's crime. It's illegal. It's there. It breaks the law. And I've I've talked to the director of elections at the time. And I've also talked to the chairman of the Board of Elections here in South Carolina. I've explained my story. Uh, when I addressed it with these clerks, they were very, they were, uh, what I would say, they were not friendly to me. They didn't speak to me after I brought it up. Uh, some of them complied and put the seals on the ballot tabulators, but some of them would not do it. I had to call the Board of Director, the Board of Elections Director, and he had to call them and say, put those seals on your, you know, it's against the law. So even though I told them, you know, I had poll work before and I, I was the candidate too. I'm just like, you, you, you have to put seals on there. It's right, just not right. okay. And they wouldn't do it. So we have. What was again, their rationale for not putting a seal on? Yeah, I don't. What's that? What was their rationale for not putting a seal on? Everybody. Oh, I, I mean, no, I've I been a poll. I've been a poll worker before. I know that. Right. I have too. And I was very, very kind to them. I said, you know, I appreciate a lot going on. I worked the polls a long day. I get it all. But they gave me pushback, some of them. And some, the rest of them just didn't speak to me after that. So I don't, you know, yeah. it, it 
begs the question why why they're concerned about it. So you know, obviously, you can't trust what's in the ballots, and and it. it so anyhow, um, there's a lot of my point to all this is that there's it's complex, and we as citizens need to get involved yeah. where we can and help. Uh, per, you know, in this aspects where we can, we need to help. Uh, you know, with well, election integrity. Both my wife and I have been poll workers and poll watchers. And my listeners out there, if you're concerned about election integrity in South Carolina, it's a, it is a it is a long and grueling day, but you need to volunteer. There's training available for what you have to do to be a poll worker and a poll watcher. And um, and I would encourage folks out there that are concerned about election integrity to volunteer for that one day uh, out of the year and and be a poll worker, be a poll watcher, and it makes yes, a big it, difference. It gets better than that, though. It's actually not voluntary. You get paid to be a poll worker. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's t- the training and the day that you do it, and there's you actually get paid. So I mean, yeah. you know, it's it's okay, and it's, it's part you know, of, it's it's part really- of our responsibility as as citizens right. of this great nation. And the money's there, and I've talked to the. They have a new um, new person in charge of the poll workers here in South in the in Spartanburg County, and they have like I think less than half, yeah. way less than yeah. they have about, about a third of the workers they'd like to have. So it's yeah. wide open. Yeah. Um, if people want to uh, reach out to me, um, you can uh, email me at rob at harrisforsc.com. Rob at harrisforsc.com, and you know, shoot me an email and say, hey, how do I get involved? I'll gladly help you through that. I can give you the contact. Um, but you know, it and we can start. Actually, uh, when I poll worked, it was an off-year election, like this coming fall, mm-hmm. and it, it it's a kind of a nice time to practice because it's not super busy. You know, there's right, some school. Right, right. It's just not it's not the same kind of election as the, like next year will be. So uh, I urge people to 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 check that out. You can go to the county website and go down to the voter registration office. You can you can do that yourself, but you're welcome to call uh, contact me. And um, I can hook you up with that. But they need desperately need poll workers. All right, we so got we got about three or four more minutes. Tell, talk to them a little bit about SC Safe Elections and what they can do to contribute and so, be a part of making our elections much safer. Right, Safe SC Safe Elections dot org. Uh, they are a group of just citizens like you and I who care about election integrity. They've been doing a lot of work. Um, back you know, a couple of years ago, we actually canvassed, went door to door and canvassed and uh, the the 2020 election and found that uh, many people were registered to vote in places that were like a bank, a UPS drop-off station, um, abandoned lots with no no house there. Um, and then multiple people, I, I have, we have affidavits, we collected hundreds and hundreds just in Spartanburg County uh, of affidavits uh, proving that people successfully voted from a residence which was not their residence there's people been oh they hadn't lived here for eight years well they used it's not like they were just registered they used their domicile that other person's domicile to successfully vote in the 2020 election we have the receipts so um se safe elections was critical in getting uh, that initiative started so beyond that they have just uh, they have a lawsuit right now trying to get uh, to the uh, cast vote records to be um, available to to look at they the, they have FOIA'd uh, the SEC the state uh, 
the state election commission. They foiled them and they, they just won't hand them over. So they had to sue them. And it, it's just, there's no reason to not give that up. Other states let us have that data to do our own, um, you know, check and balance, right? So uh, state elections, they have tons of great um, information on their website about all kinds of things having to do with election integrity. I urge people, secelections.org. I got you. I got you. All right. And, and that organization is always looking for financial contributions because they're just regular citizens like you and me. They're not a high profile organization with a, a, a lot of funding. So they exactly. need folks like you and me to contribute so that they can continue their quest for election integrity and election transparency in South Carolina. And I, right. I know who these people are. I'm very supportive of their mission. They're representing you and me in South Carolina to ensure election integrity and election transparency. I, I strongly uh, recommend the organization to you. Well, Rob, this right. has been a delight to have you on. I appreciate this information. Uh, I'm sure it's enlightened and informed uh, my listeners. I hope you'll come back on another day for another topic. Sure. And uh, everybody can, uh, if you would, uh, follow me on social media and things like that. It's Harris for SC. And again, uh, harrisforsc.com uh, if you want to donate to the campaign. I appreciate that, too. All right. Well, I appreciate you, Rob. Appreciate your family. Appreciate what you stand for. The Lord bless you real good. You're listening to More Than Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Jackson. My guest today has been Rob Harris, legislator from House District 36. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this edition of More Than Medicine. For more information about the Jackson Family Ministry, Dr. Jackson's books, or to schedule a speaking engagement, go to their Facebook page, Instagram, or their webpage at jacksonfamilyministry.com. This podcast is produced by Bob Sloan Audio Production at bobsloan.com.